Oh, hey, oh, hey, hey. God. I was so worried so, that the microphone was broken. I just want you to know that that was the most, like, natural and nice and pleasant we've ever sounded trying to enter our podcast. <laughs> we've never and sounded, I was so proud. Like, graceful and just so fluid. And then we find out four minutes in that nobody can. <laughs> well. Classic. Okay, that's okay. What you get is what you get. It's not um, going to be great. A late start is better than no start. You know what I mean? That's my life motto. <laughs> no, seriously. So we were chit-chatting when nobody could hear us, which is really sad, but let's look at our listeners. Okay, we've got most everybody back. We're just missing my mom and my sister. Let me message everybody. And tell them. Also, welcome to Friday. We've never done one on a Friday. Oh, seriously, happy Friday indeed. We've never done one on Friday, and I think I actually kind of like it. I like it on a Friday, too. I wish I wasn't on call every Friday. Are you on call right now? No. Today's oh. the first day. I'm not. So, in this really weird, like, experience of making a podcast that I got the idea from listening to all sorts of different podcasts that consist of, like, two friends, and... We I love sh- My Favorite Murder. We Just love- gonna point that out. Yeah, we <laughs> love My Favorite Murder. We... I, Jenna still loves, I've kind of fallen out from Crime Junkie, but literally what got me into true crime podcasts is Crime Junkie. I still listen every week, for sure. I probably will. I like when they build up and I get more, like, so many episodes I can binge. Oh, because you're a binger? Mm Because me too. (laughs) I'm a binger. So if I finally catch up to the point where I'm, like, up to date, then I get bored. Because I'm like, I don't want to wait till Thursday. Wait a whole past week. So then we got the idea, the weird idea, to start our own podcast. And we did it more of, like, as a fun, like, we like talking about true crime as it is. Let's talk about it with other people. And if they want to hear it, they sure can. (laughs) So we made a Facebook page, and we've added our podcast on Spotify. I'm working on Pandora We've added Apple, Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. I'm in the process of adding Google Podcasts and Audible. I would just like everyone to know I claim no responsibility <laughs> it's actually for anything to do with our advertising, setting up, any, anything. It's I fun. just show up, It's you know? fun for me, though. Like, I like doing it. So it's actually a lot easier. Like, in the Podbean thing, you basically have this section that says apps, and then you just click the plus sign next to whichever one, and it gives you the instructions on how to do it. Oh. So it's really nice. So we recently wow. made our first ever Facebook advertisement. And what I used is our first post where I said, hey, we're on Spotify now. And I turned that post into an ad. And we reached 2,400 people. And ever since we posted seems that fake. ad, it does. It, it seems, seems, it seems, it seems so real. fake. <laughs> Once we did it, we realized I started like checking in on our statistics on our like our admin account. And in the last week, we've gotten five new downloads from France. We've gotten a download from the United Kingdom. And then in the States, we've got downloads from South Carolina. Obviously, we have Michigan, we have Utah, we have Nevada, California, Kansas, Nebraska. We had some other one, though. I can't remember. It was some other place much farther away than I can even imagine going to. I know that Stephen has been um, giving us the shout out from the United Arab Emirates. That's what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> so fucking funny. I was like, 
cool. It's hilarious. So we've got all these new viewers, and we we don't have not many people are hopping into our like live our live podcast, which I think is kind of fun. Is like family and friends. I love doing it live. Me I too. think that's my favorite part. Like I don't see any podcasts doing it live. Like not like this. So that's what I hope it will be like our niche is we always start out doing it live. <laughs> Colton said, OMG, y'all growing and thriving. Just got to work on matching your shoes. Well, let's not set the bar too high, Colton, because I don't know that we're, I don't know that Jenna's ever going to be able to do that. No. But hopefully over the next couple of months, I think maybe in the next couple of weeks, I'll do another ad on one of our other posts and we'll just kind of see where it takes us. So hopefully one day, I'm hoping that in our live episodes, we have more pe- like other people. Yeah. That'd be exciting. Okay. So I wanted to talk about on our Facebook page. Um, I try to share anything true crime related as well as updates with like our podcast in general. And so when I try to find good content for our Facebook page, I try to find like true, true crime news just because I feel like a lot of people will hear the original story but then I want to be able to like follow up, follow up and include updates. So I know we haven't done this case before, but this is a a case that literally like, Oh, that one stuck with me for a while. We should do a whole episode on it. I think we're going to, because of the update. It's it's so good. It's so good. Good is a a word. So we're going to do a really like mini summary of the case. Um, Essentially the post I shared on Facebook, I want to say what was five days ago, Monday, maybe. Yeah, Labor Day? Maybe Monday or Sunday. I shared a post about the FBI's arrest of a father that's on the 10 most wanted list for the FBI. Um, So his arrest is coming 12 years after he... He's technically still awaiting trial, so he hasn't but been he found guilty. Did but it. he, he did fucking it. murdered his two daughters. He was a very devout Muslim that came from, I want to say, Egypt or somewhere in the Middle East, and he immigrated here. He married a, an American wife, which I find funny because he wanted his own daughters to marry within the religion. He wanted his daughters to marry old men from the Middle East yeah. so that he could get money basically like to sell his daughters off into marriage and these poor girls were born in america they were not for that they had they grew up americanized they went to american schools they had american friends just our typical normal kids yeah like legitimately normal teenage girls and he abused them them some reports say he abused them physically some reports say he was abusing them sexually the Two girls each had secret boyfriends that yeah. their father was not to know about. And basically, the whole story revolves around um, familicide, which is where... Well, I guess it's not familicide, because familicide is where... It's like, whole it's, like it's like you kill your family and yourself. Yeah. So his... Like you go for it. <laughs> his was basically called in, in like the headlines, it's an honor killing. It's where... Yeah, he, I don't like that. It's disgusting. I don't like that word. No, it's not. Good. It makes it sound like it's a good thing. It's definitely it's disgusting, it's not, and it's really sad because basically this man, this Egyptian-born man, killed his two daughters because he felt that they were dishonoring his family. And I'm sorry, but like, is this fucking like 1655? Like, it's not on you. It's on the family. It's on the cow. That reminds me of Mulan. Yeah, that's what it's. Is from. that Mushu? Yeah, I love Mushu. No, seriously though, like. This dude, so he murdered his 
two daughters in cold blood, and then he went on the run, and he's been evading capture in the United States for 12 12 fucking years. Literally, like, you know, like, I don't know, this sounds so silly to me, but, you know, like, that show, like, FBI's Most Wanted or whatever? Yeah, that used to give me nightmares. It's serious. Like, this dude was on the list for the last 12 years, and he was evading capture, and the reason I shared this post and we're even talking about it is because... He was captured. Woo! I think last week or early That's this week. That's so exciting, though. Yeah, so now he's in Texas, which I'm sorry, but of all the places to commit murder, you fucking committed murder in Texas where you have the death penalty. And so it's to me, I'm like, good luck with that, dude. Yeah. Like, when you go to trial, I would be surprised if the prosecutors weren't asking for the death penalty. So we'll also- see where that goes. But I just kind of wanted to share that with you guys. It's insane. <sighs> so, moral of the story is we're still trying to balance whether we want people to know about our podcast or not. Yeah. But I think that deep down we do want people to know. So, right. if you guys like our podcast and you want to support us, the best way to do that is by um, sharing our Spotify page and our Apple podcast page, like wherever you guys like to listen, even if it's our Podbean link, it doesn't I like matter. Podbean. I like it's Podbean cute. too. It's an, it annoys me that people have to make, um, make an account. You know yeah, what I mean? that's true. Because anything that makes me make an account, I'm like, nope, I don't want to. Now I lost interest. <laughs> but it's worth it because we get to see all your guys' names. We get to follow you all back. Not that you have podcasts, but we get to kind of, like, represent. But if you wanted to. Anybody could. Yeah. I talked to Jason about that. I'm like, he should do a podcast on his keyboards or on video games or something. Like, it's getting so much more popular. I love podcasts. Like, I don't know how I would drive to work without podcasts. Literally. Every single day when I wake up and leave for work at, like, 6, 10 in the morning, I have a 40-minute drive to work. So do you. Yeah. We have 40-minute drives to work. What the hell would we do? Sometimes mine's even longer because I have to drop off my daughter, and so mm-hmm. it's like I leave my house at 7.30 and get to work at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it makes me feel like, like, sometimes I listen to true crime, obviously, but other times I listen to, like, audiobooks and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, doing something like that, whether it's true crime or something news-related or an audible stimulated. And it's good for, like, I feel like I'm learning instead of mm-hmm. just, like, wasting my day driving. <laughs> wasting away. Wasting away. So, you guys can share our Facebook page, you can share our Spotify and our um, Apple Podcast accounts, and pretty soon we're going to be on Pandora, Google, and Amazon as well. And then you guys can always share our Facebook page as well. So, let's get right into our murders. Well, what's your murder? Do you want to go first? I don't even know if mine's a murder, technically. Oh. That's what's crazy. Have we only done murders? I think we've only done murders. I don't think we've done, like, flat-out, like, disappearances. We've done Missing serial people. killers. and We've just done, like, death. Just death. <laughs> That's what we're good at. Well, what sucks is... Oh, my grandma commented, Apple Podcast. On our Facebook page, I shared a link. Um, let's see what day it was. Just a couple days ago, I'll tag my grandma in it. And just recently, we ended up joining Apple Podcasts. So that's where I listen to my podcast, personally. I'm so, a Spotifyer. I started out with Spotify, but I'm trying to, like, test out some of the Apple stuff just to see. Well, because you have all Apple products, like, why not? Yeah, that's Apple. true. Through and so, through. 
Yeah. So wherever you listen, we're trying to be there. Um, so my story became very quickly not one story. Um, it started out as the Beaumont children. And I hope my sister joins if she hasn't already because she knows the story really well. This is the first one I've known about that you've done before. Yeah, like like that you recognize the name yeah, of it. I almost did it on this one this week. Oh, that's so I didn't funny. do enough research, so I probably don't know nearly as much as you do, but I know of this one. That's well. good. I I heard about it first, I think, um, during Crime Junkie. That's, I want to say, the first time I heard about it. Yeah, I think it. they have one on, on it. Yeah. And then I thought that the entire case was insane. And so I wanted to kind of tell, because there's been recent updates in the case, and that's what drew me to it. I was looking up which cases to do, and I looked up a few of them. And I ended on this one because there was a post as recent as January of this year. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. See, I'm not that up to date on it. That's exciting because this is fucking crazy. Okay. So this case is based in Australia. And I should know what town, but I don't. But Australia. I don't think even if I shared it that anybody would know (laughs) what I was talking about anyways. So... The case is known as the Beaumont Children. That's how the three kids are always referred to. And the name, the Beaumont Children, tells the story of three missing children who have not been found to this day. And they comprise of Jane, who was nine years old, Arna, who was seven, and Grant, who was four. So these three kids, they disappeared on January 26th, 1966. And something that if you are not familiar with, like, geography per se, or, like, the climate. Um, Basically, because Australia's on the other side of the equator, their winters and summers are flipped from us. That just weirds me out. It's super weird. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm so bad at geography, and that stuff just blows my mind, but go on. (laughs) Well, and it's weird to think that, like, these kids, they disappeared on January 26th, January, and it says in all the articles that it was a the, summer heat and wave. And they're at the beach or whatever. Yeah, or they're something. at the beach and it's a heat wave. Yeah, like, that doesn't make sense to me, but go right. Australia. So, the three children loved to play at the nearby Glenelg Beach. This was a really popular place for children to play during the time. So, it's during an Australian heat wave in the end of January. And it's too hot for the children to walk to the beach. So, their parents allowed them to take the local bus, as they often did alone. So, some people cringe at the thought of letting young me. children. Yeah. I literally, that makes me like, why? Mm-hmm. Every time I hear, like, a kid case and it's like, yeah, the kids were outside playing alone. Yeah, they just let their kid take the bus. I'm like, oh, my And God. it's like, we know now, and I think it's probably because of, like, the internet and televised yeah. news and just the, like, the recent breaks in, like, um like, sex offenders and stuff like that, that we've started to realize how bad of an idea that is. But back in the 60s and the 70s, that was not... And honestly, even, like, the 80s and into the 80s. Yeah, no, the 80s was bad. Mm -hmm. The 80s was real bad. It was insane. how did people survive the 80s? There's a lot of stuff that happened. Sometimes, I'm seriously... Like, you hear these stories, even of kids that, like they didn't weren't found murdered and stuff. It's just insane. Like, a lot of them are walking to school alone. And even in the what would it have been early 2000s me and my sister walked to school yeah I, as a kid I would walk to like the store and stuff because mm-hmm. I lived in the tiniest little town yeah with like nobody we knew everyone that lived there well, so, you get like, this feeling of like not in my town that's not gonna happen here yeah but then I got no this is a whole side story I got almost kidnapped by my bus driver but 
And that's exactly the thing is yeah. people don't think that that happens. Yeah. It was so scary. Like, sorry to like distract from he- from your murder. That's but, like, insane. I was on my bus ride home from school and like my school was kind of far away because I lived in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And the bus driver, it was like a substitute. So it wasn't my like, oh, so normal like bus a, driver. A stand-in? Yeah. Like, oh, he was like God. a substitute bus driver. And he kept passing everyone stops. And we were like, uh, sir, please let me off. Can we get off? And he's like, no. No, uh, this isn't your spot. This this is not what my sheet says is your stop. And I'm like, that's my house. Like, let me off. Like, there's three whole streets in the whole town. So, like, we know the four stops that we have. You know what I mean? And he kept going. And we there was, like, a like a mine. Uh-huh. Like, it's technically a different town. But it's, like, you just keep going down the main road. And yeah. then there's, like, a mine. Like, it's an abandoned mine, like, area. He started driving out that way. And down fuck? that way was uh, also our, like, uh, fire department, mm-hmm. which is, like, surrounded by nothing. So, so it's, it's, it's literally middle, the southern Utah desert, middle of nowhere kind of shit. And he starts driving down there, and then he literally was, like, not letting anyone off. And some of the fifth graders, because they were the big kids of the yeah. bus, yeah. had a phone. And so they called their parents, and their the parents drove up behind the bus, and then they were like, my mom's behind the bus, let me out now. And so, like, half the bus got off, but I was too big of a pussy to get off. So yeah. I was scared. I was like, no, I'm on the bus. It's supposed to take me home. And, yeah, no, we literally drove around and around. And, like, parents were, like, driving kids home off the bus because this guy was just being How did wacko. you get off? I ended up, he ended up letting us all off at the same place, and the parent drove us home. Oh, my. It was crazy. And like, what was he going to do if somebody didn't call their mom? And how many kids was it? A bus full. Oh, of, the whole bus? The whole bus. He didn't let anyone off until we went all the way out into the... I swear, this is the second podcast in a row I've shared a traumatizing story. Oh, I swear insane. I'm okay. But yeah, it was weird. I wonder what he was going to do. Like, was he going to, like, drive? Or was he, like, was he, like, even intending to do anything, like, maybe he bad? Or maybe he was old and crazy. Senile or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, my God. But, like, you like, can't even trust the school bus. No, and it's, like, like, you think back to, like, this case in the 60s where they're letting literally three children, one of them is four years old, walk oh, to never. the bus stop and take the bus alone to the beach nope so that's what they ended up doing um they end up getting on the bus at about eight forty-five in the morning and the parents had let them know that they expected them home around 12 in the afternoon and so it's kind of interesting to think about like the dynamic of the kids basically the only reason that they say that they allowed this is because jane who was nine years old was like the boss of the family and she and was she's like nine. <laughs> well, she was nine, right? But I feel like we all know how that goes. Right. Like having to take care of siblings and stuff. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes the oldest like takes develops. on that role, the yeah. motherly role. Uh huh. And that's exactly what Jane did. And so she was basically considered like literally. Some of the articles had witness testimony that said she was called the sensible one. And yeah, nine, at nine yes. years old, she was the sensible one, and so. She always watched after the kids, and she was very shy, and so she did not like talking to strangers. Good. And so she basically escorted her her siblings to the beach that day. And so they got on the bus at 8.45, and the bus ride's only about five minutes. Um, so an interesting fact about this is the day that this all went down was January 26th. This is known as Australia Day, which... A lot of people probably don't know what that is. Is that like the 4th of July? Pretty much. Oh, yeah. Good guess. That was a good guess. Thank you. So it's a national holiday, and the historical significance is similar to the 4th of July. So there's community festivals, concerts, and a lot of people end up going to the beach that day. So the Glen 
how do I say it? Glenelg? <laughs> Glenelg Beach. Does that look like Glenelg? That is as close as I would say it. I don't okay. Know. We're going to go. We're going to roll with it. So Glenelg Beach was very busy that day just because of the local holiday. So they were expected to be home around 12 p.m. that afternoon, and the kids would never return home. Oh. So what ends up being investigated is what happened between 8.45 and probably 12 in the afternoon. Um, and that's kind of where all of these events transpire. So the three, the three children disappeared mysteriously from either Glenelg Beach that morning or somewhere in the vicinity. Um, so when the police end up getting the call, the kids are missing. It comes in around 5 or 6 p.m. because there's always that brief period at the beginning of cases that parents don't really want to think anything's wrong. Maybe they missed the bus. Mm -hmm. Maybe they saw a friend there and decided to stay longer. Exactly. Well, it's funny that you say that. Well, because there's an interesting part of this case we'll talk about. Um, so they basically about 1 p.m. rolls around and they realize that the kids aren't home and they don't intend on coming home. So they start kind of getting like locals and families and friends to like take a look and yeah. see what's going on. And that goes on for a few hours and they're not able to find anybody. And about five or six rolls around where they start involving the local police department so the dis disappearance of these kids from, like, a well ado family ends up prompting one of the largest searches for missing children in Australian history. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it gets insane. Like, I was reading this article, and I could not believe it. So Glenelg Beach was searched numerous times. It ended up being four total times they searched the entirety of the beach. So is it a pretty big beach, do you know? I'm, I'm so, sure you're not the most familiar with So I don't Australian. think I included it in my picture. Um and I probably should have, but there's a picture that I can share of the beach that kind of shows, like, where they were, like, doing the search. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like what you would picture on the coast of, like, Hawaii or California. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, like, a long, flat... Strip of mm -hmm, like sand. A, exactly. So, it's basically, there's different... And I, I guess the pictures that you would Google now are going to have, like, resorts and stuff. And I don't necessarily know what that would look like in probably the 60s. much different. Yeah, probably not as many buildings, but it's such a popular location that there's probably, like, restaurants and stuff all scattered along yeah. the way. So they end up searching that area on four different occasions. They also, so there's, like, a local boat harbor where, like, the boats will come and they'll, like, park. Mm -hmm. um, and they ended up draining the entire harbor. Because they were worried that what if the kids got, like, like fell in or something? Or they oh. fell in, or they were murdered and thrown into the harbor. So they drained it. A whole fucking harbor. I don't know how much that is, but it sounds like a lot of water. I don't even know how you, I don't, yeah, I don't know how you would do it. And then also, obviously, police officers assisted, but local, like, the entire area helped like, Everyone these girls. Everyone mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And they were never found in all these searches. So, the case is considered one of Australia's most notorious cold cases in history. The investigation has spanned over five decades, and even today, the children have never turned up. So, some of the stuff that I kind of left out in my notes, just for time's sake, that I'll, like, touch on really briefly, is there were a ton of witness accounts that discuss, like, seeing the children that day. So, we know the children made it to the beach, for sure. Yeah. And there are reports that... Um, somebody might have been playing with them at the beach 
Like another kid or an adult? An adult. Ooh. Yeah. So there are reports that there were an, was an adult playing with the kids at the beach. Um, there was also an account of, I think an elderly couple said that they saw the older man. It was like a... An older man. Well, he was like in his 30s, they think. That's old compared to nine, so... <laughs> Absolutely. And so he was kind of like a skinny man. Even his face was kind of skinny. They think he was in his 30s. And he was playing with the kids. It's weird. It's really weird. Don't do that. And so people remember, like, the elderly couple in specific, they remember seeing this and thinking that it was probably, like, either the parent or a family friend. Like an uncle or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of just the way he was playing with them. Like, like roughhousing almost. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, playing in the sand and stuff. So do they think that it might have been a person that they know because of, like, you said that the one was shy. Why would mm-hmm. she roughhouse with a strange old guy? Well, and that's what's interesting is I read an article that talked about exactly that. And I don't know exactly who the witness was. I think she was a friend of Jane's, um, who was nine mm-hmm. at the time, who remembers that the other kids, so either Grant, well, maybe not Grant because he was four, but maybe Arna, mm-hmm. was picking on Jane, saying that Jane had a little boyfriend down at the beach Mm. and so the witness who the friend who remembers Arna joking about this remembers that the parents like didn't take it seriously because they just thought that it was Arna picking on her older sister and she says like at six with her that was that little boyfriend that Arna was talking about grown-ass man the grown-ass man that that elderly couple saw that day and there's also witness accounts. I don't know if that's the elderly couple or if this was a different set of witnesses that say that that day that the Beaumont children went missing, that a man who resembles the same description as the 30-year-old skinny, skinny-faced dude mm. was going around asking other beachgoers if they had seen any money lying around. And when the beachgoers asked him, like, what are you talking about? He was like, oh, these kids, they lost their money. And I'm trying to help them find it. And so there's all these, like, witness accounts. It's really weird. Of the same, presumably the same man, being seen with the kids. And then the kids are never seen again. My thing is, is if that was the guy that did whatever he did with the children, why would you make it a point to talk to so many people? Yeah. Because then you're, like, people saw you. I think maybe it was, like not really thinking it through Mm -hmm. like trying to convince the children that he's a good guy oh I'll help you yeah Mm -hmm. like I think it was more of like why should you be scared of me when see I'm trying to help you you lost your money and I read an article that said that police take this lead of the missing money very seriously and that they think that that man stole their money just in a way to just to turn around and help mm. them find it. That they they firmly believe that that's A kind different of, version of, can you help me find my dog? Exactly. It's exactly like that. I lost my dog and I need you guys to come help me. So that's pretty much, and I know this is like the biggest cliffhanger ever. That's pretty much the end of the Beaumont case. Like these, these three kids, they go to the beach on Australia Day. It's a busy day. Lots of people see them with a skinny faced man. And they're never seen again. And that's really, like, what my intention, obviously, I was going to dive in deeper to, like, the witness accounts and, like, the friend 
and talk more about the case. But that's what my intentions were. Like that was gonna be this podcast. Like But that always changes once you start doing your research. Yeah. Every time I go to research my case, I'm like, oh, it's just like you know, it's like it's any old murder. I'm like, yeah, this one was like kinda cool. But then I start I'm like what in the world am I reading? It gets, and it, gets it grows and grows and grows every yeah. time. So this grew. So on our Facebook page, for everybody who's listening live, I made a post um, about 15 minutes ago that says pictures for the first part of our live episode tonight. So this post is going to show the Beaumont children sitting on a beach. I don't know if it's the same oh, beach. they're so cute. They're really cute. So you can see on the left-hand side of that photo... Um, I'll give everybody a second to pull it up just because it's podcast and they're probably listening to us. <laughs> they're busy. <laughs> they're busy beavers. I know Colton, Colton comments how we always leave with these cold cases. Cold cases leave the most like what happened. Like they leave this like element of you can kind of, and it sounds like maybe like, I don't know, crass, but you can kind of imagine what happened. Yeah. And you can imagine that this, like, horrible thing happened. Whereas a lot of the times in the murder cases that we hear, they're, like, the boyfriend or the Mm -hmm. dad or there's something or sometimes they're even a stranger for no fucking reason. And you're just kind of left, like, that's unfulfilling to me. Yeah. If it was, like, this big, huge cult, you know what I mean? It's interesting to imagine. So keep everything you just said in your pocket for when you listen to my story later. Okay, good. <laughs> just, just what you said. Yeah. So for everybody that pulled up my Facebook post, um, you can see the first picture is the Beaumont children. They're sitting on the beach. You can see a news article where it kind of depicts like the fact that the children are missing and this massive beach hunt. And then the he's th- not cute. No, the third <laughs> the photo is the sketch that's comprised from the witnesses. I don't know if it's this case or another, but it, it's basically the picture that they create based on the witness testimony. So let's fast forward a few years after the Beaumont children disappear. So this is about four years later. Now we're thinking 1970. Mm-hmm. Um, Susan, who is five years old, and Judith was seven mckay are waiting for their school bus on the morning of august 26 1970 the two girls failed to get on their school bus that morning and they never arrived at school the worried parents reported them missing and a large search was again mounted in order to find them so now we're about four years later we've got two young girls that are a similar age to the beaumont children that are in a similar circumstance. Yeah. They're alone on the side of the road. On a bus. Waiting. They're not even on the bus yet. Oh, yeah. But still, still A bus involved. (laughs) A bus is involved. Um, And their parents obviously get really fucking worried, and a huge search is mounted to find them. So two days later, um, the two girls are found. So Susan and Judith are found in a dry creek bed, and it's about 16 miles away from where they went missing. The two girls had both been strangled or suffocated, um, and they were stabbed each three times in the chest, and the two girls had both been sexually assaulted, mm. and I don't know if this is better or worse, but worse. the sexual assault <laughs> happened after they were dead. Worse. So well, that's disgusting. No. Disgusting, but they didn't have to they didn't, experience it. Yeah, they didn't experience it. So I like to think that it's maybe marginally better, but it's still disgusting. These are This is a five and a seven-year-old, and it's... Basically, like, from what I read, 
Susan, I might be getting this backwards, but let's see. I think Judith was the one who was strangled with the killer's bare hands. And while that was happening, Susan tried to run away. It might be vice versa, but either way, one of the girls was strangled with his hands and the other tried to run away. The other girl eventually died. And this just makes me want to throw up. She had sand or dirt shoved in her face, Mm. like so much, like handfuls to the point that she ended up suffocating because she couldn't breathe on. I don't like that at all. It's not good. No. So after they're suffocated and strangled, they are each stabbed three times in their chest. So in their upper torso area, and then they're sexually assaulted after they passed away. So, the community in the area, this is, like, once again, like, the Beaumont children, where they're, like, not here. That can't happen here. Right. How did this happen? So, they're, like, outraged that this murder, or these murders, I should say, could have even happened in such a small and safe town. So, when the police investigate the crime scene, they find their clothing of the two girls in the two girls' backpacks. And neatly folded. That's a, that's like a signature, like, cereal. That's like an M.O. Yeah. Yeah. So the two girls, their clothes are neatly folded and placed in their backpacks. And they even are folded. So it's not just like their clothes are folded. It's even their socks. I I definitely don't fold my socks. No. Let alone somebody else's. And... So it's kind of like this weird concept where you would commit such like a brutal murder and you would still fold their clothes. And we've kind of seen that in other cases, maybe not in ones that we've done, but you hear that in some crime cases where it's almost like the killer is like almost caring for them in like a weird way. almost kind. To certain aspects of the scene. Yeah, like they don't want to disturb, disrespect this part, but, but murder's fine. Exactly. Like... And so the police end up holding on to that because they don't think that it's a coincidence that this is the case. No. That somebody who is a particularly neat person in all aspects of their lives probably committed a murder like this. So just like the case of the Beaumont children, witnesses in the McKay case remember seeing a slender male leaning out of a car talking to the girls at the bus stop at 8.10 in the morning. Three hours later, and about 52 miles away, This same man pulls up at a service station and refuels his car. So the gas station attendant at the gas station that he pulled up to, hears one of the girls ask the man, are you taking us to mommy? You promised taking us to mommy. Oh. And she, like, I'm sorry, but like, I mean, obviously she talked to the police eventually, but why wouldn't you fucking report that immediately? To be fair, you could overhear weird stuff in any conversation. Like, like you could yeah. overhear wrong parts. Like, maybe it's their you like their family friend that's like, "Are we going to mom's house or are we going to go go get dinner?" You know? Like, yeah. You said we're gonna go to mom's house. Maybe you like kind of tell yourself that you didn't just hear that, or you yeah. misinterpreted it. Yeah, like maybe I understood it in a way that wasn't like how they meant it. Or I mean, I feel like some people just don't feel like they should be getting involved. Which always get involved. Oh, yeah. Put yourself in business. It's not yours if you think it could mean something. If you see something... Okay, this is not to be on a tangent, but on the way back from work the other day... um, Oh, yeah? I was driving on, like, a pretty big highway, 
and there was a girl who was like slamming on her brakes. She was driving erratically. And then as we go up this huge hill, she's swerving in and out of lanes without using her blinker. And I don't mean just like getting over like an asshole. But like swerving. Yeah, like literally just driving back and forth and back and forth. And I ended up calling 911 on her because like I literally didn't know what else to do. And it's kind of that same scenario. Like, I don't know what was going through her head. I don't know what the story was. But I felt uncomfortable, and it felt like not a good situation. Like you had to do something. And you, I feel like when that's happening to you, you should do something. You really should. Yeah, like, worst case scenario, you were wrong. Darn it. And it's not a big deal. Like, at the end of the day, that shit happens. So this lady at the gas station hears this comment, and among other witness accounts, some people end up... So there's a lot of people that day that end up encountering this man that aren't really sure what to do about it. There's a story about a guy who encounters this man maybe before the gas station, and they get into... The articles that I found say they get into an altercation, and I don't know... could mean all kinds of things. It could. It could mean, like, yelling at each other from their cars. It could mean, like, getting out of the cars. Fist fight. Mm-hmm. And he reports seeing the girls as well, but I think he thought they were just his kids or whatever. So there's all these witness accounts in the McKay case where people are seeing a tall, slender man. And I feel like it's, it really could, there's multiple slender men out there. Yeah, slender men. Slender males out there. Mm -hmm. But like, to be so skinny to like point it out. Like I feel like if like, I just saw like a tall, skinny guy, I'm like, yeah, I mean, he's like an average looking dude, you know? Uh But to like, no, he was a skinny motherfucker. Yeah, he (laughs) was. Like, it's kind of weird. Exactly. To make it feel like that. It's something the police it's need to know. Mm-hmm. to know. So, among other witness accounts, some of these sightings are entirely discredited discredited by the police investigating the crime. So, when it comes to the McKay girls, the police end up getting caught up on this lead, which cites the... They Basically, the police get a tip saying that the driver was driving this certain make and model of a car. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they get hung up on the make and model. It's called an FJ Holden, which is just like a make and model of vehicle. So they get so hung up on this tip that when tips come in, they say, basically when you get a police tip, when you call in, they ask for the name of the person. And if you don't have it, then they go into like physical description where they ask how tall they are. What do you think they weighed? What do you think their age is? What drop, like what vehicle did you see? And they ask all these questions. And so any tip that came in that didn't match the FJ Holden ended up getting disregarded. Oh, that's not good. No. So they kind of, like, put these blinders on that... They wanted it to fit. So even, I want to say, the gas station attendant, her tip saying, like, when are you taking us to mommy? That got disregarded as not real because she said that the vehicle that she saw where the girl said that was not an FJ Holden. So, it's just, it's tough. This case ends up going cold also. Awesome. So, let's fast forward again. This is now three years from the McKay case. Um, We're in 1973. And this is also in Australia. And there's a huge soccer game playing at the local sporting arena. And this is known as the Adelaide Oval. So, it's basically just like a big, huge arena Kind of like if you're from Michigan, it would be like the Van Andel Arena. And in Utah, it would be like the Vivint Arena. Mm-hmm. 
but back in the 70s. Okay. So okay. maybe not so huge, right. you know. So this is an arena that fits, I don't know exactly how many, but on the day that this happens, there's 13,000 people there. Oh, wow. So this That's is a lot of people. That is a lot of people. And they're all there to watch a soccer game. And thousands of people arrive to watch the game. And this is including a young girl named Joanne Ratcliffe. Um, And at the game, Joanne ends up being seated next to another family with a young girl named um, Kirstie Gordon. So Joanne is 11 and Kirstie is four. So you've got like a mid-elementary age girl, maybe late elementary. When you're 11, you're probably in fifth grade, right? Something like that. And then you've got a four-year-old girl who's basically a toddler at this point. A little bean. She's a little bean. And they end up sitting next to each other. And so the two families, I don't think that they knew each other before this case. But because they're sitting next to each other at this game, they've got two young girls, you know. And the girls end up talking and being friends. And so the adults would allow the two girls to go to the restroom together without parents with them. And we got to remember... 1973. We're not going to go back on that tangent, but I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like it. I don't like it at all. So the two girls go to the bathroom together um, the first time, and there's no issues. They just go and they come back. And the parents had a rule where the girls could not go during, like, intermissions or breaks because that would be way too many people. a lot of people to. Mm -hmm. So they were only allowed to go, like, during the game. Because if they're But like, if you're a kid, you don't really care. They don't care. But that's what the parents would say. Oh, if they had to go to the bathroom, not during a break, you need to wait till the game that's starts. That's actually pretty smart. Which makes sense, right? So the two girls made one trip to the bathroom unbothered, but on the second trip, the girls would never come back. So it's really similar to the Beaumont children and the McKay case, where you've got two young girls in the middle of the morning or afternoon that end up fucking missing. And so... In this scenario, the police find multiple witnesses that recall seeing the young girls that afternoon in the Adelaide Oval. And again, just like in the other cases, witnesses remember a skinny-faced man with them. Get him out of this country. Seriously. All countries, get out. Literally. And so the witnesses at this point believe him to be 40 years old, which if you think back to the Beaumont children. It's been a few years. Yeah, that's eight years earlier. About 30. So they thought he was 30. Now Give they're thinking he's 40. So in my opinion, it makes sense. So one witness is a 13-year-old who is working selling drinks. and 13? Yeah, you have to think. It's, okay, a, okay, it's okay. the 70s. Yeah. So it's a 13-year-old boy, and he's selling drinks and food in the Adelaide Oval. He, like, yeah. works there at a vendor. And he remembers seeing a man pick up the youngest girl, which is little Kirsty, and trying to walk away with her. The older girl, Joanne, was seen by the witness yelling and hitting the man. That's not a small tip. No, that's a huge That's a tip. huge witness account. Right? So another witness is 14-year-old Sue Laurie. And we're going to hear about her again. So we're going to put a post-it note on Sue Laurie. Okay. So Sue Laurie is a 14-year-old that witnesses the same event that the boy saw, Mm -hmm. but she remembers thinking of it as, like, a family argument. So you gotta imagine you're seeing, like, an older 40-year-old man picking up a 4-year-old girl and trying to walk away with her. And kids hit and scream and yell and cry Mm -hmm. and bitch and moan and whine. Exactly. That's what they do. Literally. That's pretty much all they do, I feel like. their existence, other than being cute and fun. Yeah. It's one or the other. The other 50% of the time is screaming and crying. 
And so she sees the same altercation and she mistakenly assumes that the two girls may have been misbehaving and that either their father or their grandfather got upset. I've absolutely seen a parent pick up their kid, take them out of the store because they're acting exactly. away, you know? So, like, so I can see that. it seems normal. Like, it doesn't seem like such a big deal. So, just like the Beaumont children and the McKay case, this case soon grows cold. So now we've got three cases in Australia over the course of, like, eight or nine years that involve kids of the same age that go missing at similar, like, time frames in the day. And we are not really understanding what's going on, but the witness accounts sound strikingly similar. Yeah, and all of them. But you have to understand, like, these are being investigated in the late 60s, the early 70s, and the 80s, where there's no DNA. It's a different time. And even witness accounts are not being put, like, in a database. It's, well, I heard that that Mm -hmm. Sally Joe said that. Her neighbor said that. Exactly. Maybe this happened. So there's all these witness accounts of a slender man at this age that looks like this, but there's nothing tying these cases together. So nearly two decades after these murders and disappearances, police finally get a break in the case of the young Hmm. McKay sisters. Okay. So So second one. mm -hmm, This is the second case of the two girls that were found in the dry creek bed that went missing from the bus stop. So police zone in on a man for all of these different reasons that we don't have time to get into, but they zone in on a man named Arthur Stanley Brown. And the reason that they zone in on him is probably due to old tips that were considered discredited. Yeah. That they began looking into because it was so cold. You have to go back. That's all. What did you miss? That's all that these like beat officers that are like assigned to cold cases do is go through old tips what did we say was stupid that wasn't stupid and a lot of cases are actually solved by like taking a second third a 53rd look at like seriously that's what'll get it like just don't let it die exactly like Like, you gotta keep trying yep so police quickly charge arthur stanley brown with the murders of the two mckay girls in 1988 this is where we're going to talk about Sue Lowry. Okay, now, okay. She's, my post back. Mm-hmm. That's our post-it. She's the witness, the 14-year-old girl who also saw the weird altercation of the two girls right. in the sporting center. Mm-hmm. She thought it was just a family fight. So when police charge Arthur Stanley Brown in 1988... Ooh, did you say, oh, I know him. I know that guy. Yes. There's <laughs> a TV report that is broadcasted about this case of the McKay girls, and a now much older Sue Lowry recognizes Shout this out man. Sue! She realizes that this is the same man that she saw that afternoon yelling at Joanne Ratcliffe and Kirsty Gordon. Oh, I see your picture on here, and he's so scary. He is. So, what I think is interesting is, if we all take a brief minute to go back to my post on our Facebook page that shows the pictures from the case, you can clearly see the sketch that is drawn of this man, and... The picture of him the is an old picture of him. That's the same fucking person. Yeah. Like, you cannot tell me that this is not the dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, also, that's what I, I want to believe. So maybe my brain's like, yeah, it, that's it. Mm-hmm. But it's it. It is. My it. brain is right. I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I know. And I know what I'm talking about always. <laughs> that's fucking him. Yeah, it is. So 
who is this man? Why are we tying him to all of these cases? Because he's creepy. Because he's fucking creepy. You're right. That's basically the, like, extent of the case, is he's fucking creepy for multiple reasons. So, let's talk about him. Arthur Brown is a tall, literally slender-faced fucking man. Yoji Slender. (laughs) With a history of sexual fucking assault. Of course. And some even say, I say some even say, it's literally one person, (laughs) but whatever. Someone even said. Someone said they suspect him of murdering his first wife. And who said that? The wife's son. It happened then. That's how I I believe him. So we'll talk, and we'll kind of get into why. So those who knew him know him as an immaculately dressed man who ironed knife edge creases in his work fucking uniform. So he was extremely neat. And I even read a fucking article that said he would fold pieces of his garbage. What a wacko. Like his fucking (laughs) napkins and shit. He would fold them before... And his victim socks. Literally. His fucking victim socks. So, I don't think that's a coincidence at all. No. So, Arthur Brown marries Hester Porter in 1944. And when he marries her, he becomes a stepfather to three children. Shortly after his marriage with Hester Porter, he begins having an affair with her fucking sister. Yeah. Charlotte Porter. So, Hester Porter goes on to die in 1978. That's what, 34 years after they get married? That was some quick math. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really proud of myself. I'm proud of you. So, she dies like 44 years or 34 years later of a suspicious fall. Of course she did. And after his wife dies in a suspicious fall. Was murdered. He goes on to marry her fucking sister. Well, that's convenient. (laughs) Isn't that fucking convenient? So, Hester and Charlotte have another sister. Her name is Millie. So, this is his wife's other sister. I really like that name, too. It's cute. It's a really cute name. So, she claims that, this is Millie, claims that she once caught Arthur Brown molesting a young child. You have to think, like, where this is all coming out, so early 70s, mid-60s, so this is coming out, and so there's not, like, a lot of reports on what happened, but basically there's an account that says ever since she saw that, she would do her damn best to keep him away from fucking kids. Good. Like, she made it, like... Shout out Millie. Seriously, shout out Millie. Like, Go she Millie. made it her mission. she called cops, because she could have done know. <laughs> she, she definitely... Who knows? Maybe she did. Okay. Who knows? In my opinion, if that's all we know... She could have done more. Definitely. So, various relatives in the Hester slash Porter family. And in my articles, I read that some of their last names are Anderson. And I don't know if that's from marriage or whatever. But basically, there's young kids in the Hester Porter Brown marriage situation that end up saying that this dude molested other people. Like... There are young kids that are now adults saying that they think he molested them. So these kids in this like spider web of a family think that Arthur fucking Brown molested them. And they come forward to lawyers asking for advice. Like, what should we do? Right. So they end up even considering prosecuting him. And the legal counsel that they seek tells them that it's not a good idea. Why? Don't know. 
I just rolled my eyes really hard for anyone that can't see me. Like, that's what's... I mean, I don't know. But it seems wrong to me. It seems wrong, too. I basically, like... And there's more that you can read that we'll include on our actual published episode. I'll try to include the links. And I'm going to do better to include the links of our sources so that people... Yeah, I'm not good at that. I'm not either. But I think that it'll be good. So we're going to try to do better at including links. But we've got these... Now adults that were once kids that feel like Arthur Brown molested them, and we have legal counsel advising them not to move forward with it. So, 1988, Arthur Brown is arrested and charged with the murders of the two McKay girls, and all of the evidence that they have is circumstantial, because back in the early 70s, there's no DNA evidence. Basically, all they have is the bodies, the way that they feel like they died, and the immaculately folded clothing. And I'm sure that there's more evidence in the case, but essentially those are the big pieces of evidence that we have. So since all of the evidence against Arthur Stanley Brown is circumstantial, the Supreme Court fails to decide on a verdict in his charges of the murders. So because it's not real physical evidence, they say we can't decide whether he's guilty. Which... It makes, it makes me angry, but it's also, like, that system is in place for a reason. Yeah, it really is. So it's is. frustrating for when you know that that's what should happen, but... Yeah. There are cases where it's, like, it feels like the perfect fit, but it isn't. Yeah. And there's so a lot it's of, good that we have that, but it's also, like... Yes. There are people who are found guilty on circumstantial evidence that come out to be fucking innocent. Yeah, because you can twist a story to make it sound like whatever you want, but you need to prove it. Exactly. So... The Supreme Court fails to decide on the verdict, and essentially the prosecutors want to try him again because they feel like this is bullshit. But it is, but at this point, they decide that. So basically, <laughs> it's hard to describe. What? Yeah, because they 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 schedule a retrial, but at this point, so he was born in forty four. And they end up doing the retrial, I want to say, in, like, the mid to late 90s. But he's developing dementia or Alzheimer's. So he says. So he says. So he says. But <laughs> they they get him, like, analyzed. Like, that's, that's not the right word. Diagnosed? Yeah, they get him, like, they have, like, a psychiatric, mm-hmm. like, diagnosis of him. And they eventually feel like he's not fit to stand trial. So the prosecution ends up dropping the charges against Oof. him. Feeling like there was really no point in moving them forward with the charges. There's a point and it's called justice. Literally. <laughs> like, so I don't know. It's so hard because you've got all this evidence. You have the picture of him where he looks exactly like the description that people are sharing. Like we have yeah. all these witnesses saying it's an older, you know, whatever age, skinny. So man. was he ever like anything? Like an ever convicted or not really. Oh, thanks. So, thanks for that. You're welcome. Is he dead yet? So he ends up dying in 2002. Good. Good. Yeah, seriously. Good. Solid. He dies in 2002, an absolutely free man. Members of his family believe that he's responsible for more than just the murders of the McKay girls. And Sue Lowry from the Adelaide case thinks it was. She knows that that is the man who she saw with Joanne Ratcliffe and Kirsten, or sorry, Kirsty Gordon. So, was Brown, the slender 30-year-old man that was seen with the Beaumont children just four years prior? Probably. 
did the secret of the Beaumont children die with the sick old man in 2002? Probably. And we'll never know. I, for my own mental problems that I have, I need to say, yes, it was him. Right. And um, the end, it was him. Fuck him. And if it wasn't him, it was him. Fuck him. No, (laughs) seriously. That's what I need. When I, like, when you kind of look at all the evidence, and I know all the evidence is circumstantial, but because that's all that existed. So, back then, even if there's only circumstantial evidence, you have to try people based on... What you got. Something. Yeah. And you've got all these different witnesses, and we've only included, I mean, a handful from each case. Each one could be three hours, probably. Easily. Of a podcast, Mm -hmm. but here we are sharing one episode with two people, and it's like, you can't. Exactly. You can't go into all of it, but. And so there's multiple people that remember seeing a man just like him. And it's interesting, you've got this man who they're trying for the McKay cases, who resents all the boxes of all these other cases. And it's, and I bet you it wasn't just those three no, cases. There's no fucking it's, way. It's this guy traumatizing the entire country while he's able to. Yeah. But. So it's tough because even his own family members, like, I don't know if it's his I feel like you have to take that as a... You have to. That's more than just a witness account. That's why, a real... Why would they make it up, you know? Yeah, why would you... Yeah. They suspect him. killed someone, maybe, probably. You, know, you don't just do that. I feel like your make... first defense would be to, like, defend them. Yeah, but if you say that, you've got to be pretty convinced that they did it. Yeah. You know? So it's tough because his own family members suspect him of killing as many as nine people. That's oh, what they think. So... And who knows? Is that the three Beaumont children, his wife, the two McKay girls, and the two... Whatever, you know what I mean? Like, is that the cases we're talking yeah. about? Or do they have a completely Other list, different and list? And it's really like 18, 20 people. Who knows? We'll never know. And it's really tough because all of these cases are technically cold because he was never successfully they tried. Are warm. They are lukewarm. They're leftovers. Lukewarm <laughs> cases. Sitting in the fridge waiting to be reheated. And they just can't be tried because he's dead. You can't try a dead person. Doesn't that make you throw up? Literally, yes. Like, it makes me want to just, like, bleh. No, seriously. And so we've got, like, a million comments on here. And I we would love to read them all. But if we read every comment as we tell our stories, we would never be able to finish our stories. So let's kind of... keep doing it because I love it. We love the comments. And I think it's... I think it's good for you guys to maybe even be able to talk amongst yourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in a way. And that sounds rude. Like, we're just going to, like, neglect everybody. But it's tough because we, we have a set amount of time. And so there's only so much that we can say. And it's tough because there is DNA now. But I doubt in order to have DNA to test now, you would have to pull DNA samples from the crime scene. And if you have no concept of DNA testing ever happening, you're not going to take swabs from the victims. There's no swabs. Let me just, let me just put this in here just in case one time this, this might be important decades from now. And well, what's interesting about that is they did start doing that in the late eighties to early nineties. They did take swabs because the scientists and the DNA analysts, they had ideas of blood types and things along those lines. 
And so scientists were getting on the verge of testing DNA. So they did take precautionary swabs. But back in the early 70s, the the late 60s, that's not something that you're going to do. So even if you have relatives of the murderer Mm -hmm. who have similar DNA to the murderer, you would have had to take samples from the victims back in 66, back in 73. There's nothing left to test because the DNA evidence that exists, let's say they bag all of their clothing Mm -hmm. from the murders, the DNA evidence, unless it's stored properly, decomposes. It's it's gone. It's, you gotta do it. Yeah. So it all falls apart if you don't There's protocols to follow. Exactly. So right now, you gotta think, like, think medicine has to be refrigerated, or it doesn't stay Stay good. It doesn't stay good. Just, like, Or even, like, this was a different way that you're going, but, like, even, like, the, like, um... What is the term for it when something's, like, passed along from one person to the next, like... Like heirlooms and stuff? No, like, as far as, like, I have this evidence, I'm now retiring, you have it, like, possession, like, Like, yeah, tracking the who is in charge of and responsible, that probably was a lot different back in the day, and it probably wasn't handled with the care that nowadays we know it needs to be. Exactly. So, who knows what kind of, like... DNA was transferred between men, and it's a a whole This is a great, so that's so fucking funny that you say that, because I just listened to a My Favorite Murder episode, where they talked about this family that got murdered, basically, like, they were at a lodge in the woods, right, and they were staying there going camping, Mm -hmm. or whatever, they were going to go through the national park and explore, and so they stayed in this lodge, and they end up leaving and going on a hike. And it's a mom and two daughters. And because of the time that they died and the fact that DNA evidence doesn't exist, the clothing from the victims was brought to elementary schools to, like... To show off. To and show. so everyone touches it and holds it. And you, it's contaminated now. It's ruined. It's gone. There's no fucking evidence. Exactly. And even if you found DNA evidence from the Beaumont children, from the McKays, from the two girls from Adelaide Oval... Even if you were able to retrieve evidence, all it would take is a defense attorney to say, fuck you, that shit's contaminated. Who else touched it? Who had had the, like, authority to touch it? Exactly. Who was around it? Yeah. Was it, was it locked down and gated? Was it, you know, like, there's just so much you can go into that, and it's just, so it's I'm grateful for modern science. (laughs) Seriously. And modern law. And you pray that nowadays that cases are going to be treated with more Care. care, but you just don't know. And, and I think typically, but there are times that it is it's not. It's not. It is not always. And that's, that's a lot. It's a lot to try to understand. It's too much. And it's hard because as like, now that we're sitting here in 2020, we think back and we're like, why didn't they just take swabs? Be- why? What about the family? What about uh, genealogy? Can't we test? 50 years from now, they're going to be like, why didn't they just their microchip or whatever yeah. the fuck is it's like the be, new science then you know it's just hard and it's so sad because you want to draw conclusions on why these what is it now three four five six seven children seven to nine or plus <laughs> exactly and who yeah. knows what other children went missing in that time frame that didn't get witnesses yeah that didn't witness a slender man maybe there wasn't a witness <laughs> every time you say that i'm just gonna <laughs> slender man <laughs> and it's yeah. crazy because i think your story is 
an older story too. But ooh, it's not cold. It's not. Oh, nope. good. Okay. So, so we for can everyone do, out there. We can do cult injustice, and everyone itching for their satisfaction of a conviction. Got it. You so, got it. I'll get you. Give us like set us up with like what year is it? Where did this happen? Yeah. All of that. Okay, I'm gonna get my notes pulled up on your computer real quick. I will tell everything. Those are my thinking sounds. Okay. Yeah, this one was another one that I do this every single week. Um, where I'm like, oh yeah, like not like just another murder, but like I'm like, cool, yeah, that one's that one's interesting. Um and then I start researching it, and then it becomes way more, way more than I anticipated. Um, but this one, I don't know why, but I'm like, I really am interested in ones that are like full family, and like, I really like like old name murders. Like, I kind of like. That I just too. like. It's just like my vibe, you know. I don't know if I have a murder vibe, but my murder vibe is like. I said old days. This is 1959. I'm going to offend some people on here. No, I'm sorry. No, that feels but, old for us, though. I'm okay, sorry. Okay, but, but, yeah. Like, my my cup of tea is something that's, like, like, typical, like, murder, like, farmhouse type. This is a farmhouse. That sounds like, like a... I just love, like, stuff that could be turned into a good-ass movie. That sounds like a thriller. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a Like a horror film. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, so this one, we are going to talk about the Clutter family what murder. Clutter. What a case. What a clutter. Case. Is it, is it, is the case clutter? No, not oh, really. okay. But I if, wish. if it was, that would have been fitting. That would have been really But, um, this one, I literally just, like, okay, I don't want to jump ahead to, like, the ending, but when I was researching this, I was like, really that like so it is solved but it's like you're really you're for what and for what this is uh, why this happened those really? are the words are you fucking kidding me like we couldn't have had a better reason to do this yeah like wow i'm so glad you got what you wanted like okay let's dive in so this was i'm gonna go before the murder so a little bit of background not too much this one doesn't require too much of a like family history or whatever okay so we meet mr herb clutter which, okay. what a name. I love that. Herb, Herb Clutter. Herb. 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 Uh, Herbert was the full name. Oh, okay. Herbert. So That makes more sense. I was like, who names her kid? Herb. Herb. And not Herb. Herb. I don't know. Herbert. So, he was this guy. He was pretty, like, he was, like, a good guy. He was a really nice guy. Like, he was very interested in, like, agriculture okay. and all like that kind of stuff. stuff. Farm. Yeah. So, he, he had, like, a regular guy job and a... And, He's still pretty young, like, I want to say 20s, mm-hmm. early 20s. He okay. meets this lovely woman, Bonnie, and they fall That's in such love. I love the name Bonnie, Bonnie in old stories. Yeah, Bonnie and Herb. It's not like such a cute little story. That makes me so, picture, you know, that famous, like, oh you know that famous painting of, like, the farmers? Like, you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, and they have the little, um. They have uh, the pitchfork. Pitchfork, yeah. That literally, like, if somebody was like, his name is Herb and her name is Bonnie, Bonnie. I would say, that's a fucking movie. Profile picture. Profile that's picture. It. So, um, he meets Bonnie and they fall in love and he's like working your regular old job. Like, he, and mind you, he's good at it. Yeah. Like, he gets a promoted quickly. Like, he's like a 
fast learner. He's a smart guy. Okay. Nice guy. Great. We love her. Um, so he, him and Bonnie, they meet, they fall in love. They get married. Aww. They get married. Married. They get married. They have little childrens. Okay. So they have, um, their first daughter, Eviana, which cute. What the okay, heck? that's a really like, cute name. Doesn't this make you just like fall in love with them as people? Like, they're I just love really them. nice. And I think they had, let me look at my notes because, okay, yeah, so she was born in 44. So she wasn't like, she wasn't what? I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, so she was born in 44. Mm-hmm. And that was Eviana, their first daughter. And then they had their next daughter, Beverly. And then after that, her was like, you know, I want to have my own farm. Like, I I want he the life. He wants to do that. That's the life that I want. So he quits up and just quits his job. Oh and he, gosh. like, he gets, like, kind of made fun of, like, oh, good luck. Little, People are like, yeah, good luck with that like, farm. You little youngster, what do you know about farming? Ooh. You know? Uh-huh. Like, so he, he starts his own farm. He gets, he, when I say he's a farmer, he builds his farmhouse. And he, like... It is so successful. Oh my god! Ends up like he ends up needing a faculty of at least eighteen other employees to run Holy his shit. farm. So it he's is, got like literal. It's a business. Uh, it, it's his livelihood. It's it is successful. Oh my god! He ends up like I shit you not. Like he, I think they said President Eisenhower mm-hmm. ended up like appointing him to the board of like. There's a technical term for it, yeah. But I'm gonna call like it the, the board of agriculture, the board of farmers, <laughs> the board of farmers. So he is like high up there on the farming community. Like he is yeah, doing cool. it. He's living and his dream. And people talk shit about him. No, he's well liked. That's he. Crazy. Everyone is like, yeah, Herb. We love Herb because he's so nice. Um, they are both devoutly Methodist. Okay, so, they're, so they're I went to a Methodist church for a while, and they were like. They were a very, I know nothing of the religion. So, so me and my sister went to a Methodist church for a while, and it's kind of like any other branch of Christianity, which is typically it's not like strict like you think of the Mormon religion, mm-hmm. and it's not strict like you think of the Catholic religion. It's more is like it strict in other ways, or just not not strict. Not really. It's kind of like I remember, for example, when we would go to like our sermons and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was very much like. People can feel different things, and that's okay, and we're all here to support it. Really? And it was very, like, not... What's the word I'm looking for? It was not super structured. Like, I'm sure there's structure to it, but as a teenager going to a Methodist church, it wasn't like... You weren't expected to do anything. You didn't have rules. There wasn't a dress code. There's nothing... See, that's, like, kind of different than the way that... That her lived? Really? So, well, so this, is mean, a, this is old-fashioned, though. True. So it could be different. Right. So he he was, like, very much... And maybe this was personal belief and not even religious. Mm-hmm. But he didn't believe that stimulants were something that you should even... So, like, caffeine? Caffeine, alcohol. So he was like, nope, not on my farm. And so he, within his faculty that he had, his employees, he would even, like, interview them. And, like, oh. if you drink, you're, you're gone. Fire out. out. But it wasn't in, like, a mean way. It was just, like, this is just not, like, what we stand for kind mm-hmm. of way. Um, so he, him and his wife, Bonnie, and then their two daughters, Eviana and um, Beverly. Mm-hmm. So they're, the farm is taken off. They're doing good. 
he builds this cute little farmhouse, mm-hmm. two story, and I think huge. on our Facebook page, well, huge for you know, for the the day. And yeah, age. but it's so cute. Okay, so like, on our Facebook page, I have a post called "Pictures from the Second Part of Our Live Episode," and this is where you can see the family, and so you can see Herb and Bonnie, and you can see. And the then they girls. have that's a good. Then, good segue. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, they end up having two more children. They have Nancy. And then a year later, they have their one and only son, Kenyon. Okay. And it's in the same post you can see. Is that, like, the farmhouse? Yeah, and that's in um, Holcomb, Kansas. Okay. where they're at. Okay, awesome. Um, So he's, they're living the literal dream. Like, the dream of... Their dream, not mine, but theirs. (laughs) Someone's dream. And you have to know something about Herb. He is a smart man. He's very smart. He obviously did this from basically... Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So he he does not even want to deal with cash. He keeps his money in the bank and he uses checks. Oh. He does not keep money at the home. He is he is like is he like paranoid kind of? I think he's just smart. Oh, but yeah. You know, like that's true. Don't keep your valuables at home. What happens if your fucking house burns down? Yeah. Like, so he does. Everyone knows it's like a weirdly well known fact. That he he doesn't cash. Doesn't he's not a cash guy. Um, so they are literally just like going about their farm life. They their daughters are at this time when the murders happen. The two older daughters they are all moved out. One of them's married. Mm-hmm. One of them's just off. It's, they can get to college in a different city of the state. Yeah. But now at home they have Nancy and Kenyon who are sixteen and fifteen. Okay. And Nancy, she has this boyfriend. Oh, and then he's like, "That's cute." Yeah, and his name is Bobby. Bobby, what is Kansas name? I know, so cute. And like, for the record, like his her parents like Bobby. Like, they think he's a really good guy. Like, Uh they they let him come over. They let Nancy hang out with him. And back then, I feel like you can. You're like. Kind of, it's normal to have romantic relations in 14, 15, 16 Well, she's 16. Yeah. Oh, she's 16. I thought yeah, she she's a 15. 16 year old. 15 is Kenyon. The same. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So she's 16. Like, it's normal. so normal. Yeah, so she has a boyfriend, but he's a different religion, and Herb only wants her to be in the Methodist. So he religion. wants her to, like. Yeah, so he literally was like, mm, we like we like him. Keep Like, he can stay around. Like, we like him. But, but we hope to probably, God you don't marry him. No, but you need to break up with him. Oh, but okay. like, and she's like, oh, okay, like, dad, like, I, I get it, but like, I'll, I'll let him down easy, you know? Yeah, like, that makes sense. Um, so fast forward to not really that fast, but November fourteenth of fifty nine. So they are all having like a little family night, and they have this is important to note. They have a little like a almost like a a guest house, like separate from the home. Okay, where they're like groundskeeper and his wife and their baby live okay so it's like like, the big main house mm -hmm. and they have a smaller guest house yeah where their groundskeeper groundskeeper lives i don't remember his name i want to say albert that's probably wrong that sounds right albert Mm -hmm. albert albert he's good groundskeeper we love him great groundskeeper so he lives and it's only like about 100 yards away which isn't ridiculously far and a good example 100 yards is about a football field yeah that's not really far on a huge fucking farm. Yeah. So. So they, the guest house is right there and they're like living there. Okay. And, um, 
this night, it was the 14th, everything's, everything's going it's good. Like, like, it's starting to, like, get a little bit later in the year. It's November. And so it's like, they're just having a good night. The family's all over. And then Bobby comes over to just watch TV with family because it's like a normal thing that they did. Mm-hmm. And, he was over all the time. Yeah. And he just came to watch TV. And he ended up leaving, I want to say, around 11 or so. And then um, that's the last anyone has ever seen of the Clutter family. Are you serious? Yeah. That, that was it. Like, he just was over there watching TV, and then nobody saw them alive ever again. Oh, my god! So, the next morning, Sunday morning, it was the 15th, mm-hmm. um, they had a family friend who the daughter would go to church with them every week, mm-hmm. but the, the dad of the friend didn't go to church, so she, he would just drop her off uh-huh. to go to church with them. And he didn't care. Like, he was like, yeah, like, go to church, I don't care. Yeah. So, he would drop off the daughter over at their house, and so he... Like a responsible parent, thank you, this guy, yeah. he waited on the road or whatever when he went to drop her off. Mm-hmm. She walks up to the house, knocks on the door, expecting to just come inside and go to church like every every week that they do. Yeah. And nobody answers the door. Oh, shit. And it just, it's nothing. It's not right. Nothing happens, and it just doesn't feel normal. Yeah. So, she goes over to the side of the house to try to get in and, well, not necessarily get in. She tries to go to, like, knock, maybe, See, maybe the on the different side of the house, like, she maybe goes over there, her. and she tests the doorknob just to kind of see, and it's unlocked. Oh, shit. But she knocks on the door and knocks on the door, and still nothing, and she goes back to the car, and her dad's like, they're not answering, and I don't feel like I should go in, because I don't feel like that's my place, you know? Yeah, and you're never, like... Most normal people, I feel like, are not expecting anything wrong. Like, if you... Well, I don't know. Maybe because we're, like, I mean, I, I would walk into your house, but also I know you really well, and I don't just, just go to church with you on Sundays or something. Yeah, and I guess... But I guess if you think, like, maybe, like, let's say you're supposed to go to, like, our friend Ashlyn's house, and maybe she doesn't answer the door. Maybe... I would not walk in. You wouldn't just, like, walk That's in. That's rude. Like, it just feels like maybe they had a family thing that I don't know about. Yeah. Maybe something happened, and I don't want to be rude. Yeah, exactly. So she doesn't go in, but she goes back to the car and was like, Dad, like, I feel kind of, like, not really cool with this. Like, this isn't normal. They go to church every Sunday. Yeah, like, this is fucking This routine. is what they do. And so they ca- they go over to yet another family friend, and I know I'm not providing any names, but that's because I don't know them. Yeah. And in a lot of stories, they've been, like, changed for, like... The, like, concealing and their identity. purposes. Yeah. 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 So they go over to an- another family friend's house that would go to church also with them mm-hmm. all together. And yep. they're like, hey, like, have you heard that, like, plans changed? Like, what's or, up? Like, did you have, did you, have you heard from them? And they're like, no, that's really fucking kind of weird. Yeah. And so the teenage girl, she was like, well, I'll just call the house. Nancy always answers the phone. She mm-hmm. always answers when I call. Like, like, it'll be fine. What teenage girl doesn't want to answer the phone when somebody Literally. calls? It's like, that's it's exciting. do. It's a pastime. Yeah. And they call, and yet again, no answer. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, um, let's just go ahead and go over. Yeah. Let's just go back over and just see what, what's happened. Um, the parent was kind of like, well, I feel like it's weird if I go in. Mm-hmm. I've never been really, like, invited into the them. home. I yeah. don't really know them. You're friends with them. Go in. Just see, just, like, see what's happening. And so they walk in through the unlocked door on the side that is the door to Herb's office. Mm-hmm. 
And they go in into the main area, and they know that Nancy's door is the one at the top of the stairs, her bedroom door. So they start yeah. walking up there because, and they're noticing like things don't look like they've been up and running for a Sunday morning. Getting yeah, like church. there's no breakfast. There's exactly no, like, no dishes. Like no sign of people. Really, that's weird. And so they go up to Nancy's room on the top of the staircase, mm-hmm. and they see her. And imagine walking into your friend's bedroom that you hung out with, gone to church with everyone. And you already feel like you're intruding. Yeah. And she was tucked into her bed, laying on her side, covered in blood and dead. Oh my god. Traumatizing. That's fucking traumatizing. And they run out screaming like, oh my god, she's fucking dead. Yeah, fuck that. What the hell? fuck out of here. They call the cops. They come in. And the cops, like, do a sweep of the house. And they see Nancy, where they found her, mm-hmm. in her bed, tucked in, which is weird. That's so fucking weird. Yeah, and she is um, shot in the back of the head. Oh my god. Yeah, and um, then they see, oh, and I forgot to mention, the mom, she kind of suffered from a little bit of postpartum depression, and had a really bad back, and like, this the same. Yeah, like, I fucking same. feel that. And so she kind of... She had some issues of her own where she, she had ended up actually like checking herself into like a psych ward just over it, which is like fair. I don't honestly. That's I don't not something that. to be ashamed of, or that's even nothing to look down on. I don't think so either. But I really don't. And that's the mom. Yeah, and that's the mom, Bonnie. Okay. And so she had her own room upstairs, and her and Herb had different bedrooms because just she of the was back pain the back pain. And... She was not sleeping, oh. and it would keep. Fuck. I feel that, yeah. dude. I keep Jason up all fucking night some nights. And imagine if Jason was a farmer that had to tend to the farm at 5, 4, 3 a.m., you know? Yeah, there's no way. Sometimes I even joke, like, now, just because, like, it's not fair for somebody that doesn't sleep well to keep the other person up. So I literally joke sometimes. I'm like, in our new house, am I going to have my own bedroom? Yeah. Because I feel bad. And that's how it was at their house. Yeah. So they had a room upstairs. It was, like, Bonnie's room. Mm-hmm. And they see Bonnie bound and shot and dead on the floor and it's so sad because i've heard accounts where they say that her face is literally like still frozen in the face of like terror like shock like 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 she's still looking at the person person that killed her and like can't believe it yeah that's That's the face that she has on her face fucking sad and they keep going they keep searching they end up going to the basement and they find 15 year old kenyan Bound to the couch, shot in the forehead. And he, again, this is just so weird. He had a pillow under his head. Like, as if somebody. As if, comfort. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like we talked about. And that's why I was like, "Mm -hmm, this relates. Caring, like, there are so many cases. My case isn't a great example because the Beaumont Mm -hmm. children or the McKays, I mean, are like a case of somebody just caring for the scene. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of cases where you have white victims that are covered up with a blanket. Yeah. Yeah. Where, like, there are murder victims that are covered up or tucked in. There are have a blank a pillow or tucked into bed. There are have pillows. Yeah. Oh, that makes me want to throw up. Though. And it's almost like ickier. It's, like it's almost like if you really okay, whatever. Continue. Yeah. Sorry. So he was on the couch, shot, and then so now they found three out of four of the people living there because the other two daughters are already grown up and moved out. Right. 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 So then they end up opening the room that the last room of the house that they're looking in, mm-hmm. and it's the furnace room. 
and that's where they find Herb. And he is laid upon a cardboard box, so he's not on the floor. And, but there's a pool of blood on the floor. So, oh my god. So they didn't want him on the floor or whatever, I don't know. But guess what they find in the floor? Uh, in the the blood on the floor. What? A footprint. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah, like a boot. Like a clear fucking footprint. Like they know what it is. It's a it's a boot print. Oh my god. And so they see that one and then they end up like obviously searching the house, taking photos, you yeah. know, crime scene. Yeah, and I think in our in my post, I the last picture that I shared is a picture of like a print. Yeah, so in that, they see the one print, but upon re- reviewing photos mm-hmm. that were taken with, like, with flash and stuff, yeah. they find a second boot print. Ooh. So initially, the investigation led towards Bobby because boyfriend, dad wants him to break yeah. up, last He's person to see them alive. Uh-huh. They always look to the last person to see them. Yeah. Because it's suspicious. It, you were the yeah. last person there. What did you, Would you see yeah. after? So, they initially thought Bobby probably had something to do with it, but then he was, like, super distraught over the death of Nancy because yeah, like he classic loved her. Yeah, like, grieving and boyfriend. Then they end up finding that second blueprint, and like their suspicions were like, "Not nah, like this is something bigger. Yeah, this is something different." Um, and then uh, it just kind of goes cold. Really, they don't know. Like, not a lot of stuff is taken. And back then, there's no DNA. Yeah, so and we've been over that. And, and it's just like, so if nothing's taken, it's not like it's a. But they like had the housekeeper, not the groundskeeper, but like a housekeeper that mm-hmm, would like like come, a maid. Yeah. They had her search the house, like, sweep it with them to see, kind of, like, because she she would know what's missing, what's different. Mm -hmm. The only thing that she could see what was missing was, like, a pair of binoculars from the office. Interesting. And a portable radio from Kenyon's room. Interesting. Which, like, mind you, Kenyon was found in the basement on the couch. Yeah. But he was also found in just a t-shirt and jeans, like, as if he was, like, dressing quickly. Like, oh. as if something was happening and he just had to put clothes on. Oh, so like maybe he heard something. Yeah. So, it goes cold. And they're like, they don't know. They don't know. They looked into Bobby. Dead end. They looked into this guy that was like a... That most people loved the clutters, but anyone that had anything not positive to yeah, say... Yeah, anybody that would anything, have a A little kind. bit of a, like, tiffed. Yeah. Tiff? I don't know. That sounds right. I made it up. I like that. Anyone that had something not so positive to say about them, yeah. they were like, it has to be them. Who else? Mm-hmm. You know? And so they start looking into this one guy who ends up dead end. It was like a bad business deal. They end up looking into this other guy who ended up shooing. Herb and him got into like an altercation about their dog being At on the farm or something. Something stupid. All of them end up being dead ends. They had alibis nothing it comes was, of it. it. And it just was cold. It was cold. That's so and sad. The, the investigator was just sitting in the office one day, and he gets a phone call from a deputy over the um, the prison, one of mm-hmm. the prisons in Kansas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, dude, like, I have this inmate, and he has a crazy fucking story to tell. Let's and hear it. normally I wouldn't believe him, but you have to hear this. Oh my God. He knows who killed your people. What he the knows. fuck? 
And so he's and like, I feel like normally jailhouse informants are like, nah, fuck he them. He just wants a shorter sentence. They want he to, snitches, you know? or they want to do anything other than sit in prison. So they, they want to go to court. They drama. want drama. Mm-hmm. They're bored. Yep, absolutely. No, so this guy, they're like, you have to hear it. We didn't believe in it, but you have to hear it. And so he sits down with them. This guy is, I want to say his name's Floyd Wells. Mm-hmm. And he says, so. Um, just so you know, like, I shared a cell with this guy for a while. This, this random-ass guy. Yep. His name was Richard Hickok. Okay. And he was a weird guy, you know? Yeah. He, he always talks about all these sprees he's gonna go on as soon as he gets out of jail. Like, murder sprees? Or like, like, robbing, like, theft. So all these crimes he's Yeah, the, what he's gonna do. And I remember one day I was talking to him and it just came up. I used to work. So Floyd is saying this. This is me telling it as I'm him. He's like, yeah, I used to, I used to work for the clutters. I worked on the farm and I accidentally, I brought that up in a conversation one time mm-hmm. and I, I think I accidentally told him that he may or may not have a safe in his office. Oh shit. And Hickok got really fucking interested in it. Mm-hmm. And he would start asking like, so like, where is, where is this farm? Was this when they where, were in jail together? Yeah. When they were cellmates. Oh. He'd be like, so like, where is this farm? Like, what what kind of layout is his house? So he would ask him all these questions, and he and he worked there, so he knew. So he would just. And he share. was like, "Oh, I mean, like, yeah, like they had a safe in the office, you know, like that's just casual. It's a business. It's a farm, you know. Of course, they have a safe. Yeah, and so, but he didn't because he only had anyway irrelevant. Right. So he starts going on, and he's like, "And I, I felt kind of bad, but I think I kind of tipped Maybe him off. Tipped him off. Yeah, that this is a potential place he should go." And so, he, and he was, like, saying, he keeps telling me he wants to go on these sprees, and he's like, I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna, I'll murder those clutter people. What the if, fuck? Like, I'll murder all witnesses. He's like, oh, I'll Anybody leave there? none of them. I'll leave none of them alive. And I'm gonna do it with me and my good friend, Mr. Perry Smith. Another, I don't know if he's an inmate, same jail, same time, but also another troubled man. Yeah. With a crime history. Yeah. Um. So, Hickok gets released from jail mm-hmm. um they end up like linking up after hickok and perry smith mm-hmm. richard hickok and perry smith end up linking up after they get out of jail mm-hmm. and hickok he was in jail on the terms of like check fraud a lot and yeah. just, like petty theft and... so he's done things with checks yeah so well so that was his conviction that's what he was in for uh-huh. And then he lived with his parents, like any ex-convict would. Yeah. Where did and he go after that? So after hearing this tip, police go to his parents' house. And they're like, hey, you seen your boy? Like, where's he at? While they're there, they see a shotgun. Oh, shit. In the house. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, we don't know. He's kind of just, he left. He up and left. And they're like, I bet you're here because he, he like, violated his parole for his check fraud and all this stuff. And yeah. they're like, yep, that's what we're here for. Check fraud. Check fraud. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're like, do you know where, like, what he's been doing? And they're like, well, I know he went on a a weekend spree with his good friend, Mr. Perry Smith. A weekend fucking spree? Well, they went on a, a boys weekend or something like that. Uh-huh. And they went to Perry's sister's house or something. Of course they did. Um, The night of November 14th and 15th. Which is when they, they all fucking died. Yep. Of course it is. And... That leads, um, I'm not going to go into all the details. There's a lot. This case was so much bigger than I even imagined. Well, and it's like my grandma. So, 
my grandma commented, like, after hearing kind of the names of this shit, like, there's movies. and like, There's movies and talked, books. I didn't even know about We talked it. about this. Like, yes. In Cold Blood is a huge movie just about yes. this case. And a book and, like, yep. I don't know. It's, it's literally go find out as much as you can about this after We I should watch you. this after. Okay, I'm in. Let's do it. Um, anyway, so all these leads end them, end them up to, like, Vegas where they find... S- there was a whole tip about a stolen car, license plates, yeah. more of credit fraud, whatever. Yep. Lots of details. Too much. Too much so to tell. they end up finding them at a post office in Vegas where <laughs> they are getting a big wooden box from the post office. And guess what's inside? What? The boots! The oh same boots God. from the the prince and the blood. The fucking prince. The next boots. to her. <laughs> and let me tell you, Mr. fucking Perry Smith, mm-hmm. guess what he had on his boots? What did he have? <laughs> kitty paws. <laughs> what an idiot. Okay. Oh my Anyways, God. kitty paws. And the other one, the, they matched perfectly with the, the blood. And they ended up bringing him in for questioning. And then they realized during questioning that Hickok is... Um, the more talkative one. And he's like, So well, they get him to, to well, talk about And they other. first tell them that they're talking about, well, you, you know why we're here, the credit fraud. You know, the credit fraud. That yep. you keep committing yep. after your parole. Yep. He's like, yeah, you know, that's not a big deal. Sorry about that, you know. And they're like, well, you know why we're, we're really here, right? And they're like, what? And he's like, you know, the murder of the, the Clutter family. And he's like, oh, shit. Perry did it. He, yep. he was the one that, you know. And then they ended up in, like, it all ended up coming out in the end where they were, they're both fucking guilty, but, like, it was just disgusting. Like, they ended up, like, arguing the whole time they were robbing this place. They went in for $10,000 in a safe that they thought existed that didn't exist, Mm -hmm. and they left with $40, a pair of binoculars, and a radio. So, the whole fucking story is that it was a coincidence that they even knew who they were. It was a coincidence that they thought that they might have money. Like, what did you murder these fucking people so, for? So, let's sum it up. It's, it's too much. It's a, it's a family of farmers yeah. who have become wildly successful, but the father of the family doesn't have cash. He saves all of his money in, in the, the bank. bank. And where then it goes. he's got a worker who and used to work for, for them. For like a year, maybe. And years ago. He ends up going to jail. Yeah. And then tells this story about the family. And then another inmate. Upon hearing. Upon hearing this story. The inmate feels like he should get out of jail and immediately go to rob them. He robs them. And the fucking money doesn't exist because he keeps his money in a fucking bank. Yeah. So they murder this entire fucking family based on the fucking premise that they're going to get cash. Ten thousand dollars. Which, granted, back then is probably different. Yeah, right, right, still, right. still. Right, it's just like... And so these two motherfuckers... And they argued the whole time they were robbing these people. They were like, well, no. And fucking Richard Hickok kept trying to say he wanted to go, uh, like, sexually assault <gasps> Nancy. And Perry's like, dude, that's not what we're here for. Stop. Like, I'll kill you first. Oh he doesn't. But then they end up just, like, literally, like, out of, like... Not knowing what to do uh-huh. and being frustrated and being confused and like and not like and caught in the moment and fighting with the person that's supposed to be helping them, they end up slitting Herb's throat and then shooting all of them and just killing them because and they collecting all of the the gun shell casings so that oh they couldn't be tracked my back to them. God, 
and then they bounce, and the whole time, the groundskeeper heard nothing. Other than the car leaving. And he said, oh, there goes Bobby, leaving the house. And that, that's where that is. But they end up being arrested, convicted, and hanged. So, the the (laughs) post that we have, that's... The fuckers. That's one of the dudes. Yeah, I think that's um, Perry. Perry. Mind you, he's a short little guy. <laughs> he is? It's not important, but he's shorter than I am, so I thought it was funny. Yeah. It's not funny. And you're what, 5'5"? Five, five? Mm-hmm. He was like 5'3 or 4 or something. Oh my god. So he's just like this, these little murderers that were going for... They literally just had no real plan, because the plan that they had didn't exist. That's awful. And it's like this whole family that was well-loved. They were well Good people. Successful. Religious. Died for what? $40. And some binoculars on the radio. Oh my god. And that's like... That makes so fucking frustrating. It is so frustrating because you think that these murders are going to be for like a fucking reason. Revenge. That's what I thought was going to be in there. Like... And it's so sad, because, like, not that it's a reason, because it's fucking not, but, like, it's, when you think about a case like the Beaumont children, and the McKays, and the other two girls at the Adelaide Oval, you think that it's gonna be, like, like, and then, that sounds so fucked up, it's just not a reason, but it's, like, sexual assault or whatever. But it makes it easier to comprehend, because you're like, oh, he was fucked up, and he had these. Yeah, but if it's just, like, they were just confused little, like, young men that just didn't, just didn't have it together. That's disgusting. At the end of the day is all it was. So it's really interesting, because my grandma commented, and lots of people have said, like, there's movies about this case. And I have never even heard of it, but I think and for a true crime fanatic, I am under a rock. There's a so good there's a movie about it. Oh, oh my god. What? Oh my god, I fucking know this book. I own this book. No, you don't. So. Oh my god. In Cold Blood is a book by Truman. I don't, I'm going to say his name wrong. I'm going to say his name wrong. It's either Capote or Capote. He invented. Not invented. Interviewed. (laughs) Perry. But Truman Capote's book, In Cold Blood, invented true crime. Oh yeah, true. This is like the base of like, this like, I started researching in this, and everything was like, this case created the whole genre I'm obsessed with, and I didn't even know about it. That's fucking crazy. How does that happen? Everybody. I fucking own this fucking book because I wanted to find all of the, like, popular books and genres, like, in the true crime genre, yeah. and I wanted to read them so that I could understand. Well, read this one. We're gonna read it. I'm gonna share it with you. Okay. We should read it. Down. Because I want to say, and I might be making this up, that his name is Truman Capote. Something like that. Yeah. But he is literally considered the father of true crime. Like, thank you, father. <laughs> Seriously, no, thank, like, you, thank you, father. Thank you, father. Oh, so there's also a movie about this because he's the father How of true crime. I know. We have to watch this. Yeah, because absolutely. That's what we're gonna do. Like right after. Legitimately, we after we end this live stream, we're gonna watch it. Yes. So it's really interesting because I'm reading some of the comments, and in my story about the Mo- Beaumont children, we discussed Madeline McCain. Yeah. Do you remember that story? Yes, I do. She was the three-year-old that was abducted in Portugal 
her family was on vacationing mm-hmm. in Portugal from the UK, mm-hmm. and she disappeared. And it's a very similar story of, like, a young girl disappearing, and there has been updates in that case as well. So I think on our next episode, and I don't mean to, like, say I'm going to do something that I'm not going to do, so I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to do it. You're going to do Madeline McCain? I'm going to do Madeline McCain. Oh, I'm excited. I'm going to do it. That's a good one. I've already watched the Netflix documentary. Same. But I'm going to rewatch it. It's so good. And I'm going to read some articles and see what I can dig up. But I think the Madeline McCain case is really good. And so I seriously appreciate everybody that has joined. We have so many comments when we're reading and when we're doing our, like, stories. And there are so many comments that if we, like, kept up on all of the comments and the stories and the tangents, I think we would get distracted. This could be easily five to six hours long. But It really could. <laughs> and I feel like in our live stories maybe it's okay because in our published episode I'm gonna I'm gonna cut some of it but I seriously appreciate everybody that has joined so same thank you if you like our podcast please share our Facebook page share our Spotify our Apple podcast like if you want (laughs) we love telling these stories I I really do I get so hyped I do too and seriously Jenna and I will be in the worst moods ever and it helps and yet we feel like maybe we're not prepared enough or we haven't done enough research that we don't want to do it. And we stick through it every time and it makes our whole day better. It really literally. Does. Yeah. So we want to keep doing it. We want to keep telling stories. And if you guys want to keep hearing them, even though sometimes they're just regurgitated stories of true crime Me today, <laughs> but they're great stories. Let's talk about it. And maybe not everybody has ever been into podcasts. Yeah. Like, It's interesting. So share our shit. If you like it, please comment on our stuff. Please tell us. If you have murders or true crime stories. Please submit them to our email. Submit them to betweenthecrimes at gmail.com. Share or comment on our Facebook posts. Or you can like our shit on Spotify. And what's something really important that I want to share is that you can review our podcast on Spotify, on Facebook on apple podcasts you can give us a five-star review if you like us you can give us a two-star review if If you you don't if you don't but it's gonna bring the the reviews that we get on facebook and spotify and apple they bring our podcast up in the rankings so right now if you search between the crimes on spotify Basically, nothing fucking comes up. And it's because Spotify has no reason to show us. Wait, who are we? <laughs> We're nobody. So if you like us, please leave us reviews. Comment your stories. We want to tell them. I have stories from my grandmother. I have stories that Ariana and Colton have shared. And we mm-hmm. want to do them. Yeah. So please share your stories with us. And we appreciate you joining us. And just... Listen to more true crime. It just makes you feel We're not the only one. Like, if you like this story, there are very well done podcasts. Listen to them after. Me first and then them. Us first and then them. Do whatever we're But listen to Crime Junkies. Listen to My Favorite Murder. Listen to Sword and Scale. Last podcast on the left. Laugh podcast. Yeah. Laugh podcast on the (laughs) way. Listen to... Um, and I will preface this with Sword and Scale is a very graphic podcast. So if you like us, 
then give us reviews, comment on our posts, and share our posts. Thank you guys, and you guys have a great Friday.